This episode of The Damn Ryan Show is brought to you by Audible.com. Bears fans, if you find yourself in the car frequently or you take the train to work, check out Monsters, the 1985 Chicago Bears and the Wild Heart of Football, written by Rich Cohen, for free when you go to audibletrial.com slash Show. That's audibletrial.com slash Show. This is like stupid ass shit that he does. Damn Ryan Show. We have been away for a while, but the Chicago Bears season is just about to get underway. They just wrapped up the preseason, and week one is coming up tomorrow. So I'm going to turn things over here to Patrick and Nick. They're going to give you some Bears analysis and breakdown of the preseason, uh, as well as a preview of this upcoming Sunday's game. So, Nick, you start off. What did you think of the Bears in the preseason? Um, yeah, so they looked all right. Um, Nothing too great, nothing too bad besides all the injuries. That's really all I got right now. What about what are you thinking, Patrick? They looked bad. They performed better than I thought they would in the preseason, uh, especially when Trubisky was on the field. The offense just looked like it flowed a lot better and had a lot more potential with him under center. Glennon, other than the Tennessee game, looked awful whenever he was on the field even in the Tennessee game he really only looked impressive in the first drive of the game and then after that not very effective at all yeah that's the one thing about preseason is I always used to tell myself you know it really didn't matter and then you kind of had years like 2014 and 2015 and even 2016 when the Bears went you know one and three or oh and four in the preseason it's like you're kind of concerned going into it, but you're still kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, it's the preseason. It doesn't really matter. And then they go whatever they went, 3-13, and 13, and then 6-10. and 10. It, it kind of does matter, and people say it doesn't. I mean, for the players more so, I don't think it matters. But for, I think you kind of can project an overall, how good an overall team is going to be. It just, it, it proved that, it proved my theory that with, with Glennon in there with the first-team offense, they're going to be in a, a very one-dimensional team because really the only weapon they have is the running game with Jordan Howard, and now you add Tariq Cohen in as another wrinkle to that running game. But they're incredibly thin at wide receiver, especially with Meredith getting hurt in Week 3, and Glennon's going to get challenged to throw down field to no, pretty much nobody, so... You can see, you could see in the preseason that the offense is going to be incredibly one-sided. One-sided, at least one Glennon yeah, there. there. Yeah, John Fox came out and said that yesterday too. He said that we're going to be a running football team, which he said the last two years too. So I don't know. And then he didn't do if, it. And then he didn't do it. Right, and so we take anything he said, what that guy says, with a grain of salt. And really, after what he did to Trubisky last Thursday, if we want to bring that up and kind of talk about that, um, I'm really ready for this guy to just be done coaching the Chicago Bears his his incompetency his everything about the guy he just for whatever reason he has no common sense even I knew and I don't I've never coached football I've never been a head coach of anything but you just don't do that to your rookie quarterback and why play him if you're not going to give him meaningful reps meaningful reps is not handing off the football I don't care what anyone says it's not it's throwing the football and actually completing passes, getting in a rhythm, doing no huddle, doing different things like that. Not starting a game, handing off the football nine straight times, then coming back into the game because the team was stupid enough not to dress three quarterbacks in a preseason game. And how does a team with all the injuries they've had the last three years not dress Mark Sanchez or at least another quarterback off the street? I, that's what I don't get. It's beyond me. It was ridiculous. And then he tried to defend himself at the end of the game and say that those were meaningful snaps that, you know, he got to get in there in a two-minute offense. I mean, even call a timeout with 11 seconds left to run another play, and he rolls him out and he ends up getting hit. I mean, that was that was ridiculous. And he, he tried to justify himself after the game. He's like, well, that's a chance you take in football. Every time you go on the field, you take a chance of getting hit. Or you don't put the number two draft pick into a game in the fourth quarter, the fourth game of the preseason, when you're getting shot out by the Browns, and have them drop back and get hit. You could just not do that, too. Right. But, you know, that would mean you'd have a shred of common sense. 
Yeah, and that's where this whole thing is frustrating. I mean, we talked about when Trubisky was drafted, how we were preparing and there's no way he was going to get drafted. They were going to draft quarterback that high, blah, blah, blah. They took him. We were skeptical. We saw him play, and all Bears fans pretty much fell in love with the guy. Even I did. I'll admit it. I mean, I wasn't the happiest. There. I mean, I was sitting shocked on my couch thinking that I just wrote, like, 10 articles on other players, <laughs> and now I had to write another one, but that wasn't a big deal. But just everything going into it. I mean, Bears fans were skeptical. I mean, they booed him at the United Center. People forget that. And then you saw how good he could be or a glimpse of how good he can be with just a like mediocre talent around him. Imagine if this guy had weapons. You could put him – imagine if he was in a situation like Dak Prescott was last year. You could argue that Trubisky could be better than Dak Prescott for the Cowboys. Honestly, if you give him Des Bryant, Zeke, Jason Witten, that offensive line, I mean, he's – Easily, without a doubt. I don't. Even, I don't think Dak Prescott was the best quarterback in last year's draft class. Even with the way he performed on paper, Carson Wentz was better. Uh, Dak Prescott just got dropped into an incredibly beneficial situation where he didn't have to make very many plays, and a lot of things were opened up for him by guys like Zeke, Crap Top, and uh, Des Bryant. I mean, he's he was completely beneficial of that. And like you said. When Trubisky was drafted, everybody was skeptical. Anybody who's a Bears fan or covers the Bears who said that they weren't, who says now that they weren't skeptical in April, is lying. Everybody, everybody freaked out. Even if you didn't freak out, you and you were okay with losing the picks to get the potential of what he could be. Nobody was 100% sold on this guy, and you know, a quarter into his time, his game against Denver, I was like, this kid's a real deal. I'm on the phone with, my, with everybody. Like, you see this kid? He erased all our concerns. He just looks the part. It's not the numbers on paper. He just he just looks it. He, you can see that he can do it. So. That's, so. that's the biggest thing about this. And it's so funny you say that, like you're calling people. I think when, like, anything little any little good thing that happens with the Bears, it's like the whole city like is freaks out and like I don't know about your family, but my family, it's like that it like revolves around Bears football. When the Bears are good, it seems like everything else is going good. And it's just funny you brought that up because everyone starts getting really excited. It's like football's back, and even to this Sunday, am I excited for opening day? Yes, but at the same time, it's kind of scary because we see the roster. It it has a little more depth than last year, but just the overall talent is just not there. The difference-making talent is not there. And that's a problem that Pace has had to address because of the whole Mark Trespin, Phil Emery era, which was a disaster. And he's just going to have to keep building going forward. Well, the running game is strong, and the, and the front seven is strong. and But they're super thin at receiver. Secondary is still a question. Special teams is pretty much a question too. Uh, I, mean, I don't like Connor Barth as a kicker. I'm not sold as him with him uh, kicking at all. But whatever, he can't be much worse than he was last season. For the time being, uh, the one thing that does kind of concern me, though, as far as following trends from the preseason and the regular season, is Jordan Howard. When he did play in the preseason, wasn't really all that effective. He only had 49 yards in the two games that he did play, which was only one more yard rushing than Trubisky ran for as a quarterback. And he got outperformed by Cohen like by three times the amount of yards. And, you know, Howard was great last year, and we hope he can continue that again this year. But in 2015, Jeremy Lankford looked really good. Really, really good. Good enough for the Bears to cut ties with Matt Forte and move on from Forte and award him the starting job, and we all saw how that turned out. He couldn't stay healthy, and he was highly ineffective. So, you know, this is not a, a you know foregone conclusion that Jordan Howard's a perennial Pro Bowl candidate right now. He's still a second-year player who's got to prove himself this year. Right, and that's the thing people overlook. Um, even in terms of fantasy, I like looking at that uh, aspect because you can kind of predict how a player will be. And if you think about the Bears roster, like we said, they have no one at wide receiver. So why why wouldn't teams stack the box against them and just dare them to throw the ball? So if they're going to be a run-heavy team, 
teams are going to know it's coming. They're going to try and stop it. And uh, Jordan Howard is going to regress this year, in my opinion. And it's not going to be all his fault. It's just going to be because teams know he's going to run. Teams are going to have a game plan. They have more film on him now, too. And they're going to stop it. When he's in the game, he's going to he's going to be the teams know he's going to run they're going to run the football i mean he's done he's has improved that's one thing i noticed in the preseason he has improved at catching the football which maybe he can be on third downs more than he was last year but i'd still be more comfortable bringing in a Tariq cohen who is electric out of the backfield especially on screens and stuff than having howard try and catch a ball out of the backfield would you agree on oh, that oh yeah i mean if you if you're going to have cohen behind him on the depth chart and you got that kind of talent you you got to have him try to be your pass catcher out of the backfield at least for the the majority of the time, or on third down as a change of pace, you, you got to use the talent. What you know, it's sitting right in front of you. That's what they didn't do last year. You remember, Jordan Howard didn't get his first start till week four. I mean, he only had a handful of carries in the first three weeks of the season, and there it was because you know John Fox and his coaching staff couldn't evaluate a player without pads on correctly. So they cost themselves three weeks of production from Jordan Howard, who went on to, you know, finish second in the league in rushing. So, you know, that goes. There's ties in again to our feeling of distrust with John Fox and his decision making abilities. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> well, I think we're going to be talking about this all season long. I mean, <laughs> we could go on and on about that Which, forever. But here's the next. Here's the next topic I wanted to bring up. Now, I know there's some people who think Trubisky should sit out this full year and are hesitant for him to play because they think the first four games are tough. If it was your call, what would you do? Would you have him starting from the beginning because he's the better talented quarterback, or would you sit them out like they're doing at least these first four games because it's against Atlanta, Tampa Bay, who's gotten a lot better, Green Bay, and Pittsburgh? I would start him. He's the better quarterback. I I don't see... The point sit him out. He's an NFL talent. He was taken second overall in the draft. He's proven that he's in four preseason games. You can say what you want about the preseason, but we saw them side by side run the offense, throw the ball, run, and operate with you know all the players. And he's just a better quarterback. You can see it. He's clearly the better quarterback by the eye test. Glennon's never really done anything in his career to prove that he gets deserves the benefit of the doubt over him just by virtue of experience. So I would start him. I don't care who you're playing in the first four games. In my opinion, you start the better player, especially if it's a player you invested so heavily in. So what happens if he plays like crap the first four games because he's playing juggernaut defenses? Who cares? He's, he's, he's got to learn that at some point. You can't protect him from playing good teams he plays in the NFC North, and right now in the NFC North, other than the Bears, is good. The Lions are good. The Vikings are good. The Packers are good. The Bears are the only team that aren't good. We play them twice a year. So you can't hide him from that stuff just for the purpose of hiding him. This is just the Bears saving face on going out and spending $19 million on Glennon and then reversing course and drafting Trubisky, which is something that Fox and Pays never agreed on in the first place. Right, and that's where I kind of... If it was one thing, if Trubisky struggled in the preseason and then Glennon actually looked the part and he won the starting right. job, but Glennon didn't win the starting job. We all know Trubisky won right. the starting job. And my, and my problem with him not playing especially is because... Let's be honest. Pace messed up when he signed Glennon to that deal. First of all, he was bidding with himself. And then if you knew all along the plan was to have a veteran quarterback, why not go sign Brian Hoyer? Hell, even keep Jay Cutler. I mean, yes, you have to pay him the money. And, yes, it was the perfect time to get rid of him and kind of part ways with him. But if you're going to have a veteran quarterback, why are we signing him and having him learn a completely new system and all that crap why not keep uh, let's just, just keep Jake throw Cutler. out the Hoyer scenario. Why not keep yeah, or keep Cutler. They know the system. Most of the time Cutler Cutler's always been one to teach the younger guys. He taught Caleb Haney, Jimmy Clausen, um, David Fails. I mean the list goes on and on. He's not one of these guys that's he's not a Brett Favre. He's not gonna teach the uh, he's not gonna not teach the young guys. So why not bring in someone like that and put the pressure on him to perform I mean, better? 
maybe Cutler would have been good this year, and the Bears would have made, you know been able to make some noise. But this guy Glennon we, is not is not going to be good. Cutler wasn't bad last year. Cutler was hurt. I mean, you're not on the field, you can't play. He wasn't bad. The other quarterbacks were bad, but Miami ends up paying him ten million dollars to come back. Bears could have paid him ten million dollars. Instead, they give Glennon nineteen million dollars to do the to to do the same job that Cutler would have done half as well if we're lucky. Yeah. Right. And I get that I get that money's spread out over two years with a player option, but it's not the point. It's still four I think it's well, fourteen or eleven guaranteed well, this year. No, it's sixteen. Whatever it's 16. it is. Oh it's sixteen. The 19. Okay, so it's six the nineteen. Yeah, so that that is a crazy amount of money for a guy who now let's look at also this. No one else wanted it. No. The Bears were bidding against themselves again. So why not tell Glennon, okay, you want sixteen We'll sign you for five, or you can not get signed this offseason. Yeah, I mean, somebody would have signed him, but $16 million guaranteed in the first year. And, and I'm happy they front-loaded it the way they did with the the entire 19 guaranteed pretty much being paid off in the first year so they could wash their hands after the first year if it didn't work out or you know they ended up drafting a quarterback. But... It just it's they didn't that was a John Fox thing. John Fox wanted another quarterback. So he went out and got another quarterback. Ryan Pace didn't care to ever make Mike Glennon the man. Ryan Pace had his own plan and Ryan Pace and John Fox clearly don't see eye to eye. And we've learned over the last three years that John Fox wasn't Ryan Pace's choice. He wasn't his hire and the front office forced Pace's hand when they hired him in bringing on Fox because Fox was a seasoned coach with a good amount of success in the National Football League, and Pace was a young kid getting his first, you know, his first general manager job, his first head honcho job, and they they forced that hire on him, and we can see it. They they have a strained relationship, and best case scenario this season is the Bears play good enough to give us some hope for the future in the pieces that they have that Ryan Pace has brought along personnel-wise while they don't play good enough, they don't make enough of an improvement to save John Fox's job so Pace can justifiably fire him at the end of the season and bring his guy in to finish what he started and bring his personnel along. And that's where this kind of scares me about this team because I think there is a lot of talent there, a lot of young talent, which is a good thing, especially on the defense, the front seven specifically. I think the defense is going to be – they kind of remind me, I was saying in a couple of articles, that they remind me of the 2005-2006 Bears. You know, they have those players that – they don't have a Brian Urlacher or Lance Briggs, but Danny Trevathan and Jarrell Freeman are, are really no joke. And – they kind of have those players like it's it's time to learn how to, you know, win in a sense. And they're kind of trying to get back to Bears football, which I commend them for. When they tried to do what the Bears have never done and be good on offense and be okay on defense, that just doesn't work. The recipe to win in this town will always be to run the football, solid running game, and a solid defense and solid special Yeah, teams. I mean. And you can, that doesn't mean you can't have a good offense with that. I mean, it's just you got to rely on the defense and running game a lot more and that's fine you just got to be able to do it successfully and fox likes to play around with that sometimes I mean, this past offseason people wanted all they looked at they had tunnel vision that the bears had x amount of dollars to spend under the salary cap and this guy's available and that guy's available let's just throw all this money around and get all these big names because we need big names to win apparently like you mentioned the bears defenses in the early mid-2000s Nobody knew who R.W. McCorders was. Nobody knew who Jerry Azuma was. Nobody knew who Hunter Hillemeyer was. Nobody knew who Nathan Vasher was. These guys were guys that the Bears developed. These weren't good, big money free agents that they that they went and made luxurious signings to bring these guys in and show, and make their defense what it was. That was one of the better defenses we've seen on a Bears unit since you know in in the last two decades. You know since the '80s and. Those were guys that they, for the most part, made, drafted, brought in, found, signed on you know lower cost deals, and and they groomed those guys. So, like you said, the you know, 
our defense right now doesn't really have huge names. There's not a lot of huge price tags flying around on that front seven. But that's a front seven that has the potential to be top ten in the NFL this season, without a doubt, as is. So you, we don't need to flash the money. They need to develop them. I think Ryan Pace is doing a, a fine job of what he's trying to do. We can kind of see his plan. I've criticized him a lot. You have. We all have. But the front seven is really starting to take shape. The running game is really starting to take shape. His tight ends he's bringing in and Shaheen and Deion Sims, bigger tight ends and go up and get balls in the end zone and block and make an impact in the running game. This is the, like you said, this is the Bears football he's bringing back. He's erased, he had to completely erase what Mark Trestman did. It's like a bad driveway job. He had to tear the whole thing up, re- remap it out, relay it out, and then just light a whole foundation again to get back to the way Bears football is played. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, I commend Ryan Pace for doing that. So many of these teams, like you look at the Jaguars this year and some of their signings, they signed like two huge free agents that really don't fit their defensive scheme. And I think a lot of teams in the NFL do that. And it's just like, you just kind of ask yourself, you know, what are you doing? I mean, could the Bears have probably gave money out to a big cornerback or big safety? Yeah, but if he didn't fit the scheme, he didn't fit the scheme. Or if he didn't want to come here, he didn't want to come here. And I think Pace... His best job so far in Chicago has been finding pieces that fit. And Jordan Howard fits. Cody Whitehair fits. Or um, the list, Leonard Floyd. Like, who would I had no idea who Leonard Floyd was before they right. drafted him. And look at him now. He's being compared to, I mean, he's being compared to Von Miller mm-hmm. types. And, and with those corners, those big name corners this year, he could have brought him in for big money, but we're not going to, we're not ready to compete. The Bears aren't ready to compete this year. And, you know, more than likely, two seasons from now is going to be a realistic window where they can make a deep playoff run. And they were looking at giving a guy a two, three, maybe three to four year contract. So by the time you really get into the thick of your contention window, this guy, you're going to have to pay this guy again. More than you paid him originally if he's, if you're a contender and he's a contributor to that. So he he kicked a can was a phrase that, that I used, you know, throughout the season. He just kicked a can down the road. Sure, he had all this money. He brought in a bunch of lower-priced guys that can fill the spot and do the job for now better than you know better than last year's Swiss cheese secondary, but and and the that same money will be freed up again in two years for when they're ready to compete and they're in that window of contention and they can go out and throw some big bucks at the last piece or two on that defense. Exactly, and I think that's that's kind of what they're looking at right now. They kind of realize, okay, we got a running back, got a quarterback now. I mean, next year you'd like to see them. I'd like to see them take, to be honest, if we have the draft picks, two or three wide receivers in the draft next year. I wouldn't. Now, here's the thing about the wide receiver position. Did Pace mess up in taking Kevin White? Yes, but there's no way he could have predicted those injuries. But wide receivers early are never are never a sure thing. I would always uh, undervalue them. I think teams. Oh, I think teams overvalue them early on because look at this year. You got Kenny Galladay on the Lions. He actually played at Northern Illinois University, and he's a starter now. And he he's the perfect wide receiver for the Bears to have right now. He's six four, two hundred something pounds, tall, big, can go get the football, and has some speed. That's what the Bears need, and they just. They kind of didn't address it in the draft. I don't think they even took a wide receiver, but you can't really diss Ryan Pace for that because we assume that, you know, Cam Meredith would have been healthy and that, you know, maybe Victor Cruz would have been better than he was and this team could have been a little more deeper at training camp, but it didn't go that way. Yeah, I think the, I think wide receivers are, are way overvalued, like you said, in the draft, just like quarterbacks. And that's, that's a product of the way college football is played nowadays and the lack of pro-style offenses. Same thing with the quarterback. These skill positions, quarterbacks, wide receivers, they don't play a pro-style offense. They play that spread offense. Everything's run out of the slot or the bunch or the wishbone or the spread for these wide receivers, and mostly they're just running downfield. They're not running route trees and pro-style routes and offenses. So 
throw as much as a crapshoot as a quarterback. I mean, you're just looking at pure numbers. Those numbers are inflated by the offenses that they play in. So, I mean, it's... Kevin White looked good. Kevin White's fast. Kevin White has tools. I mean, who knows? Kevin White could catch 50 balls for 700 yards this year and six scores if he's healthy. And that would be considered a successful season for him coming off of, you know, the previous two injury-riddled seasons. So, who knows? All right, yeah. Can we actually talk about Kevin White? Because I've heard several reports say he looks slow, he runs like a fullback, he can't create separation, his route tree is limited because his football IQ is low. I mean, well, honestly, give me an honest prediction on what you think is going to happen with Kevin White this year. And then if I'll he give stays you healthy. I have mine. If he stays healthy. Yes, we'll say if, if he, he stays, stays healthy. If he plays 16 games, I could see him catching, like I said, somewhere in a range of 45 to 55, maybe 60 passes for 600, maybe 700 yards and a few, you know, a handful of scores because, and mostly I'm confident in that over a 16 game stretch because who else are they throwing to? I mean, they're going to score eventually. They're going to score and there's, there's nobody else to throw to. He's going to get the brunt of the targets right now throughout the majority of this season with Cam Meredith gone, and they're going to ex- they're going to this is it. This will be his final year where he gets that big look, so he's going to get the brunt of the targets. So, yeah, I mean, if he stays healthy, he could have he could have that kind of season. If he doesn't stay healthy, I think that'll be it for him. With the Bears, uh, as far as his route tree and his lack of football IQ, uh, he's behind the curve because he's missed virtually all of the entire last two seasons, so that's to be expected. He really hasn't done any sort of football activity outside of a few games and a handful of practices during camp, so he's going to be behind on all of that. And uh, the speed... Looking at him in the preseason games, he didn't look slow like a fullback to me. That's for sure. I mean, that's that's that. I think that's way overselling uh, how slow he is. That's, but uh, I don't know. So back to the drawing board as far as next season is concerned because you 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 take you take Kevin White out of the equation if he doesn't pan out after this season, uh, whether it be production wise or health, and all you really have at the wide receiver position beyond this season, if you remove him, is Cam Meredith, and now that's Cam Meredith who's a very talented receiver, but now he's coming back from a complete ACL, and uh, and in this case, I mean so. He's supposed to be ready for football activities by the start of next training camp, and I sure hope so. But that's it. That's all they have in the wide receiver position right now for the future is Cameron Meredith and Kevin White, maybe, if he pans out this season in some sort of productive fashion and shows that he can learn how to run a route and get his footwork and get his feet back under him like he had in college before all the injuries. Uh. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Atlanta's the defending NFC champion, so they, they didn't get there by luck. Um, everybody on the Bears' offense is going to have a tough time against Atlanta. But... As I, as I said to, to Nick, he's going to be the primary target in the passing game. He's the guy they're going to go to. So he's going to get his chances. He's going to get his targets. He's going to be involved in the, in the play a lot. He's going to have his number called. It's just all going to depend on if he can if he can make the catches, if he could be where he needs to be in his routes. That's a big question, as Nick pointed out, is his, his route running. If he can be there, you know, they'll hook up. And if not, then you're going to see a lot of balls over and under thrown and and because we're all unfairly 
judging Mike Lennon right now because we're so excited about Mitch Trubisky. If Kevin White has a crappy game from a route running standpoint and he's not where he needs to be and we see a lot of balls over or under thrown, right away everybody's going to be like, Mike Lennon sucks. Mike Lennon can't hit his receivers. Mike Lennon's terrible. Kevin White might even get a reprieve for a little while on his bad route running just because we're everyone's going to go right after the scapegoat Mike Glennon. So you brought up earlier, uh, you were talking about uh, Trubisky. You said he's the better quarterback. Absolutely. Right? Compared, compared to Glennon. Opinion. But Nick said um, he brought up the possibility of having Trubisky sit on the bench for a while, maybe not start a game, but come in later in a game if needed. Just looking at this from like a baseball fan standpoint, um, I know that a lot of times number one draft picks will take two, three, maybe four years in order to reach uh, the major leagues. What What is the benefit of sitting a NFL quarterback for X number of games as opposed to starting him immediately? Because I know that in football and basketball and even hockey, a lot of times the number one draft pick or the first draft pick or the first couple rounds worth of draft picks will start immediately and make an impact, why would you bring in a player and have him sit? Well, in football and basketball, the collegiate and the professional level are, you know, one step below each other. So the collegiate level, rather, is one step below the professional level. Whereas in baseball, there's layers of developmental levels in between the collegiate level and the professional level in Major League Baseball. That's why it takes guys two or three years to make their way through all of those layers of competitive levels to get to that, the you know the upper echelon of that professional aspect. In football, guy comes out of college after one season, gets drafted first round, top 10, 15 picks in the NFL. More than likely, he's ready to play right away at a, at a competitive level if he's gonna if he's gonna pan out. Um, as far as right, the, so if the Bears just shelled out all this money to bring in a quarterback and then they draft a quarterback in the first round obviously they're going to want to start the guy that they paid all this money to but if they think that this guy that they drafted is so much better why don't you go with the better quarterback well I don't think they believe they're in a state of competitiveness right now as a whole unit that they that they would be forced to go with the better quarterback no matter regardless of any other outside factor because even with Trubisky in and starting yeah I think the offense will be smoother I think it'll look better and I think it'll be more effective and a little less one-dimensional they still have the huge gaping hole at the receiving position that's going to hurt them all season long and they still have a lot of question marks in the secondary and a lot of injury problems that they're dealing with so I think if the team was in a state where they were ready to compete or they felt they were ready to be competitive in their division, they would go with the more talented guy regardless of anything else. But I think being that they see that they're a year or two out from where they want to be anyway right now, they're taking the slower approach with him and putting Glennon under center to start the season because there's no urgency there to, to win. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Um, you kind of hit on really well. There's no developmental league for the NFL, so these rookies are taking a big step going into the NFL. It's a different game, and that's where we're talking about earlier how I said the preseason is kind of important. It's really not important for rookies, in my opinion, just on the fact that the game speed and the players they're seeing in the preseason – is nothing compared to when coaches are game planning and things are full go on Sunday afternoons, in my opinion. So I think it's a it's a learning curve there. The only reason, the only players that I think need to sit or get benefit from sitting are quarterbacks, and that's just in terms of learning the playbook. They don't sharpen their skills. They're not going to be better prepared right. physically. They're, if anything, their mind will be a little more prepared than they were, and they could kind of learn from the mistakes the starter has made and what they would do differently and things like that, which is not bad. I mean, look at the Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay. It worked out. Uh, Tom Brady sat for, I think, a year or so before he came in or maybe half a year. 
But uh, the time comes where it's just time for them to play. And, I mean, we saw it, the talent's there for Trubisky, and now fans fans may boo Glennon on Sunday. Let's let's. I, I think that's a real you're possibility. Not, you're not wrong. Yeah, and no, I think, at home especially. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on Fox this season to win. And you got to think, if he had any – I don't expect him to do this – but if he had any like awareness and he'd realize, you know, my job's on the line, I need to show something, I need to win this football game. If Glennon starts bad the first three series, you'd put in Trubisky if you wanted to win. But I don't think they'll do that. I don't know if Trubisky will even dress on Sunday. I don't think, I think they're going to be very cautious with him. And I think you'll see Sanchez before we'll see Trubisky in a game anyway. I think they want to give the kid at least a week to prepare. I don't see him coming in at all. During, on, during Sunday if Glennon's bad or gets hurt or whatever, I think it'll be Sanchez, which I would almost rather have Sanchez be the starter of this team because Glennon sucks. Yeah. I mean, Sanchez sucks too, but you're right about that. At least for the first couple of weeks, I don't think that they'll uh, – that I think Trubisky will be slotted as number three on the depth chart, even though we know right now he's taking scout team reps and he's taking second team reps and working so that he can get more work in. But as far as who's going to come into the game, they'll bring Sanchez into the game. And you're right, the crowd's going to turn on Fox and Glennon quick. It's going to be, I mean, it might be from the start, if you think about it, in pregame it could, introductions. It could very well be. I mean, his yeah. first series out there, they could uh, they could boo him, and it wouldn't be surprising to me. I might be booing him, too. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all, and if especially if he has a rough first couple series, throws, a, oof, throws an interception, that's it. The, the crowd will turn on him quickly, and then it'll become, you know, a public persecution of Mike Lennon until the Bears pull the trigger and make a switch because, you know, seeing what we saw in the preseason from Trubisky and Glennon, respectively, with Trubisky looking really good and promising and Glennon looking just mediocre enough to keep the role that he was handed, uh, he's on a short leash in the public eye, in the fans' eye. So we're going to hear this all year. He's going to be persecuted to the max every mistake he makes and I was telling Anders that you know if receivers these inexperienced receivers are running bad routes and they're not where they need to be on balls and and you got a lot of incomplete passes nobody's even going to look at the receivers they're going to look at Glennon Glennon sucks Glennon can't hit a pass Glennon can't hit his receiver overthrows underthrows everything's going to be blamed on him he's 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 going to catch a raw deal here because of the circumstances but you know, I can't feel bad for him. He's, he'll walk away from the whole ordeal with $19 million, and somebody else will sign him. He'll play somewhere else next year. He's not yeah. going to be out of football. So, you know. Honestly, he doesn't. That Nick, I talked football. Did you hear that? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think the guy will. I think he's a good backup, just the starting role is just not for him. No, well, I mean, <laughs> it's not, but. Like we were talking about before the show, uh, versus Atlanta, Glennon in four games has completed 73 of 102 passes for 683 yards, six touchdowns, and zero interceptions for a 109.2 quarterback rating against the Falcons in his career while he's been with the Buccaneers. So you're saying there's a chance on Sunday? No. You don't think they have a chance at all? Oh, to win? Yeah. No, yeah, I told you. I think they'll. I, I think they have a chance to pull off an upset. I mean, you know, the Falcons are coming off of a Super Bowl loss. They could they could fall into the Super Bowl hangover. I mean, the Bears are at home. It's a season opener. The Bears won the last two against the Falcons, including a season opener at Soldier Field in 2011, and then one in Atlanta in 2014. So they could win it, sure. So let's talk, we can kind of like segue over there now. So what scares you most about Sunday about Atlanta? Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, uh, two-headed monster in their backfield, their experience, Dan Quinn, just about everything. (laughs) Just about everything. (laughs) I'd say say Julio Jones scares me the most because I've heard Prince of Mugamara could be out. And that would just having Kyle Fuller on Julio Jones. No thanks. I want no part of that. I actually think yeah, the I safety think play, 
the safety play will be okay this year with uh, rookie Eddie Jackson and Quentin, veteran Quentin Demps back there. I actually like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I do too. Um, Demps, Demps had what six picks last year. Yeah, you and can't then, you can't expect that this year, but realistically, two, three would even be nice. I'm going with my bold prediction for the season. Kyle Fuller, five picks. Five picks. Five picks. I'll take the under on that. I'll take say. Bank. I'll say one. I'll say one. One and a plus half. He'll, he'll drop one. So one and a half. Plus four. <laughs> <laughs> it's either it's either that or he's done in Chicago. Yeah. Well, I mean, he played well in the preseason. I'll give him that. He played he, very he well. He, he looked better. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say he he comes up with four or five picks. He surprises us this year and earns himself some more playing time, which would be good. Uh, can't forget we got Marcus Cooper too. If he's you know, if, yeah, if he's but, getting torched. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know how Cooper, how good he is though. I mean, well, I, I mean, Cooper I think, be... I think Cooper is the number three guy now. I think it's Amukamara, Fuller, and Cooper. Right, but I believe Amukamara is not is gonna miss. Sunday, so it'll be Fuller and uh, Cooper opposite yeah, each that, other. Yeah, that is not good because I think no. I honestly think the Bears will surprise the Fal- surprise the Falcons somewhat with their run D. The run D should be really good. I don't think I mean Freeman's still great out of the backfield, but I think they'll be okay there. I As is Thompson. I mean that's yeah. <laughs> that, I mean that's they have two headed monster. Yeah, and then they have Sanu still a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, that would con- I mean Julio concerns me but you can kind of if you keep the top on Julio you can kind of contain him and just limit him to underneath stuff but then you got Sanu to worry about and do you trust him with one on one coverage I don't so it's just things like that that scare you but if things start piling up on the Falcons like if the Bears get, if the Bears get off to a good start on Sunday I can see them winning on, like you said the Super Bowl hangover type thing and just Kind of the Falcons just trying to do too much at once. It'll be interesting. I just hope the Bears keep it close somehow. Yeah. I mean, the one, as far as containing their their receivers and their running backs, the way they've got four dangerous weapons that can, two out of the backfield and two lining up at the line of scrimmage as receivers. As far as containing them is concerned, especially if Mugamara doesn't play we're just going to have to hope that we have that good old soldier field turf in its <laughs> turf monster crap condition tripping everybody because that's the only way you're going to slow down the the uh, Falcons offensive attack at yeah, that rate. We're going to have to pray for some rain on Sunday. Yeah. Um so moving into the next part, do you think Glennon is good, bad or Terrible on Sunday. Uh, I don't know if I'd necessarily say he'll be terrible. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near those numbers that I run after you before. I couldn't even believe those numbers. But the one, the other statistic that I left out on purpose was he's one and three in those games. Even with those numbers, he's one and three. He still can't beat the Falcons. So right, and that's where I think I don't think he'll be. I think he'll be okay, and he'll do just enough where it's not good enough for his team to win the game. Story of his preseason. Yeah, story just, of like just, the last... Just mediocre yeah. enough to, to make it by... Exactly, it's, story... I mean, his, since he's been drafted. Story of like all the Bears quarterbacks ever. Yeah. Going to be a rough one, but I'm still going with it. I'm going with the Bears. I'm actually, I actually predicted in my article a couple weeks ago that they'd win this game. I just think it's a very winnable game. Like you said, it's like September 11th kind of type feel. Like not the anniversary is obviously Friday, but still the weekend of, you know, you got the big right. flag coming out. Great national anthem. Hopefully my boy Jim Cornelison is singing it. Um, get the crowd into it early if maybe a little turnover. Run the ball. Big run by Jordan Howard. Get up by a touchdown or a field goal early. I think it's... It's anyone's game, but if they get down early and they start pressing or having to run the ball when Atlanta knows they're going to run the ball, I think it's going to get ugly quick. Yeah, because then they're going to fall into that trap of having Glenning throw down field more than he should and, and the turnovers and the 
lack of wide receiver talent gets exposed and the run game gets shut down, it'll be ugly. I really can't even come out, you know, sit here and logically defend predicting a win other than the fact that it's opening day and crazy things happen on opening day. So yeah, I'm going with, they pull out a funky win. I'm going 27-13. Uh, yeah, I don't see them scoring 27. <laughs> I'm not saying all the points are coming on offense. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, like, hmm, for the, I see 24-21. I'm putting at least one special teams touchdown in there because the kick return and punt return game looks a lot stronger than it has in previous years by, by a considerable amount. Yeah, I think um, well, another question I wanted to ask you is do you think we see anything on Sunday that will surprise people? Maybe something we didn't see in the preseason. Well, not something that we didn't see in the preseason because we saw flashes of it, but I think Tariq Cohen will continue to show us what he showed us in the preseason, which will surprise people outside of Chicago because – you know, everybody outside of Chicago thinks that he's the he's the undersized running back who can't take a hit in the NFL. We saw a different in the preseason, but we know that teams out of our market weren't watching that. I think that he's going to surprise people outside of Chicago and continue to do what he was doing in the preseason. I'm sold on him. He can take a hit. He's tough. He's determined. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't <laughs> see, again, this Fox thing and this... Even Dow Loggins, whoever the off, I mean, Fox seems like his, his like stupid ass shit that he does always seems to like follow his like coordinators too. Like I think Dow, like I hope Dow Loggins has the brains to actually use the kid. But I saw a couple reports earlier this week saying like, don't worry, Howard's still going to get the majority and he the, the snaps and he should. He, but yeah, he should. it's he always should. games always play out in different ways. Just I be- think that if the Bears are going to have any success on offense this season, McLennan under center, when they're pressed into that one-dimensional run-only game, it's going to have to be by mixing those two effectively because they play such different style of of running offense that they're going to have to mix those guys up effectively to keep the defense on their heels. So Cohen's going to have to get involved in the game plan or they're going to be – highly unsuccessful all around on offense. Yeah, I just hope that, you know, they don't pull the same bullshit that they did last year. And it's, it's uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, use Cohen week four or five after we're like one and three. Two or three times a game. Yeah. yeah. And we'll just, he'll rip off like a 49-yard run and he won't see the field the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the tight ends will be good. I think Zach Miller and Deion Sims together is going to be a really nice combination. I expect them to run a lot of two tight end sets, especially with the wide receivers the way it is, and that's fine because Zach Miller and Deion Sims both big targets that you know are good pass catchers, more Zach Miller than Deion Sims on the pass catching. But Sims is a good run blocker. Um, right. Shaheen still has a learning curve to get over, but I wouldn't be surprised to see. He was impressive. Yeah, he was impressive. I wouldn't limited opportunities. Yeah, I wouldn't see be surprised to get him on out there on like a third down or something or a goal line situation. Um, He should be on special teams a lot though, which will be nice. Right, Wheaton is also going to miss the game. Yeah, I saw Wheaton's going to miss the game. That's actually a big. I can't believe they gave him twelve million dollars. He was playing catch. the The update this morning was he was playing catch with a Nerf football. Oh, oh yeah, he's ready. He can't use a real football yet with the broken fingers. So, awesome. Yeah, yeah he missed out. the game too. I mean, honestly, so, if they had him, I'd feel a little better about it because he really can he honestly just run him deep on every play. <laughs> and then if he's open, and hope, throw, he, hope yeah. he burns somebody. Exactly. The whole like I don't I don't need him running over the middle. I don't need him running you know to the sideline. Run him straight down the seam or the outside, whatever. And uh, hope for the best, and that that would be fine because at least the defense has to respect his speed, and they really have no one that's going to burn them. I mean, it, we thought it was going to be Kevin White when he got drafted, and it's just he's just I just don't think he's that fast anymore. Well, hopefully, hopefully he surprises me. If there's one thing I want to see on Sunday, I want to see Kevin White, you know, like come out aggressive. He just seems timid to me. I don't know if it's just me or. 
I mean, he could be a little gun shy. I think there are. I think the. I think the Bears are gun shy about fully throwing him into the fire. Given, I mean, he's kind of fragile in their eyes right now. But they have to. They have no other choice. So it's gonna be make or break, sink or swim for that kid. It's gonna be like throwing your, me throwing my kid in the deep end at the hotel. <laughs> you know, you'd be all right. So hopefully, for Mike Glennon's sake, the Bears can pull a rabbit out of the hat this weekend, sneak out an upset win over the Falcons. And Glennon can be just mediocre enough to pass the eye test and save himself from the inevitable for, you know, one more week. Or uh, hopefully uh, Glennon gets, like, food poisoning or something, can't play on Sunday, and Trubisky comes in. (laughs) We could dream. So if I heard right, you guys both have the Bears losing this Sunday, correct? (laughs) I no honors, they're going to win. I believe we both actually predicted that they win, but it didn't sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the most, like, not optimistic the most way. backhanded way possible. Yeah, the bear. I, I can't go against them on opening day. It's very, I can't go against them on opening day. It's very hard, and they've shown, they've shown that they're, you know, they're, they're getting it. They're slowly getting there. You know, they'll be able to compete for a playoff spot and hopefully not this year, maybe not next year, maybe in uh, 2019, right around when our White Sox are going to get uh, back to the World Series. But uh, that's a conversation for a different day. All right. Any closing thoughts or is, is that a wrap for this podcast? That's all I got. Nope, that's it. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this special edition of the Damn Ryan Show. Uh, The Chicago Bears will do battle with the Atlanta Falcons this Sunday, and we'll be back next week with a recap of that game and a preview of the following week. So thank you for listening. My name is Anders Thank you to Captain Ryan.